Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. We're in some unusual times right now, and I don't think I have to say that too many times. You already know that. It's weird times. Whatever you think of the times, they're weird times. I've never experienced anything at all like what we're experiencing. And I would go so far as to say some of those older among us probably have not experienced anything like this. Mary says she hasn't, and I'm not calling you older, but she said she had. She's older than I am, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, the, but it's unusual times, right? And it's unusual in a lot of ways, certainly unusual because of the, the medical problems and things like that. It's also unusual, as weird as it is, this little mask has become kind of a political symbol anymore, hasn't it? I mean, I don't know what y'all think about it, but it really has. You, you kind of, when you see somebody, I'm just telling you what's on my mind. I walk into a grocery store, and I can tell who the right-wing Republicans are, and I can tell <laughs> who the liberals are. Am, am I right, or am I right? Amen. I'm not necessarily saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that it's pretty clear. And I can also tell who's just so ignorant one way or the other. They just don't know what they're, they couldn't tell up from down. But that's another thing altogether. But the point is that it's become political, even looking at this, this matter of the race, race issues that are going on in our, in our country right now, you look at it, and there's some of, you, some of us that are going to look at that and say, well, I just, you know, when I hear Black Lives Matter, that just, I don't, that sounds racist to me. I want to say all lives matter. And I understand where you're coming from on that. I get that. But, so that's some people's response. And there's other people's response, as you've seen, I'm just going to go burn the building down, or I'm going to go loot a target. You know, that's some people's responses. And again, I'm giving you the extremes on both ends, of course. But the point is, we've got all these things, forces that are coming at us. A lot of them are rooted, for example, the race issue is rooted in some reality. I mean, there have been our black uh, 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 brothers and sisters and black friends in this community, they have had it difficult by comparison to white Americans. I'm not saying all people have, but there have been a lot that have endured some things. So it's based in some reality, but there's a lot of forces coming at us. And you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to shape our minds. They're trying to shape our minds, and, and, and every side's trying to shape our minds. Let, let's, don't, let's don't get this too twisted here. This is not a liberal agenda, by the way. It is a liberal agenda, but it's not just a liberal agenda. There's some right-wing folks trying to shape your mind, too. There, there's people trying to shape your mind on all sides. They want your vote. They want your money. They want you to obey them. They want you to do what they want you to do. And, and there's also not just a human forces underneath this. There's the devil that's behind a lot of this. He is wanting to come in, as, as John, uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he wants to come in to steal. He wants to, he wants to kill. He wants to destroy. It is in his best interest for, his, for the church of Jesus Christ to sit around squabbling over silly stuff or, or just as bad, to be confused over what's right and wrong, to actually conflate whether you wear a mask or not with whether or not your mind is right on the political issues. Let's just be honest about it. Y'all can choose to wear one or not. I don't really care. That's your business. But whether you wear it or not has nothing to do with whether you're right with God or not. That's a different discussion. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. 
But the point is that the, the devil wants us to conflate all that, wants us to confuse all that. He wants to tell you, you are your history. He wants you to say, well, the way it used to be. And may I just borrow a phrase from our president, well, we want to make America great again. I understand what he's trying to say with that, but there's also a lot of other coded messages in that. Do you understand what he's saying? That there was some things in the past that we want to continue to do in the future, which, again, I appreciate some of that, but the past was not as rosy as some of y'all can remember. The past wasn't as rosy as, some of, as we like to think it was. In fact, the past needed redemption just like the present needs redemption. What I'm trying to get you to see is we can get in this traditional mindset of that's the way it's supposed to be. The other option is wrong too. Progressives are all over the place right now. They think they're basically trying to get you to see if we're not moving forward, if we're not progressing, if we're not changing the future, then we're doing it wrong. Well, progress is good. Don't get me wrong. I like progress. But there's also progress in the wrong direction in a way that is against the scripture. And we have to see that as Christians, we are not Democrats or Republicans. I'm not saying you can't side with one of those political parties. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying my identity is not Democrat or Republican. My identity is not traditional or progressive. My identity is none of those things. My identity should not be black or white. My identity should not even be and I know some of y'all red-blooded Americans are going to hate me for saying this, but my identity primarily is not even American. My identity is something bigger than that. It's something outside of that. And this whole series of first or Second Peter is really trying to help us see, and this is what I think Peter's trying to get at. You are something else. You're not what this world wants you to be. You're not what they used to be. You're not what they want you to be in the future. You are something altogether different. You're a Christian. You've been called to something else. And what Peter is doing throughout this whole letter is he's trying to call us back. He's trying to say, listen, remember who you are. You're somebody. You are something. You're something special, but don't get it messed up. You're not something special because of the color of your skin, the size of your bank account, uh, the kind of church you go to, the kind of music you listen to. That's not who you are. You are who God says you are, if I can put it to you in those general terms. But you are something because of what Jesus has done, and his whole book is about calling us back to who we are. And there's going to be, and he talks about it in chapter, I think it's over in chapter 3, um, no, excuse me, chapter 2, where he talks about false prophets. And, and I believe we're living in an age right now, right now. Of course, there's always been this case, but we're seeing it on the news every day. False prophets telling us lies. And I'm not just talking about fake news, although there's that too. I'm talking about people who are trying to, they're saying truthful things, but they're trying to get you to see things from their perspective. They're trying to get you to mold your mind. But Romans 12, 12, chapter 1 and 2 is still in the book that it says not to be conformed to this world, but for our minds to be transformed, not by Fox News, but my mind to be transformed by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I am something else. I'm something different. I am not what this world says I am. I am what God says I am. And Second Peter, this letter that Peter is writing to the, to the Christians here, he is writing this to say, listen, folks, remember who you are. 
So as we get into this, I'm just going to look at two verses this evening, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1, and we're going to look at that. But before I do, I do want to stop just a moment and ask our Lord for some help as we uh, look at his word. Lord, you are a good God. I, I honestly don't believe there's a person in this room. I, I really don't, Lord. Of course, you know their hearts in the way I don't, but I don't believe there's a person in this room that would disagree with that. And Lord, I'd also go so far as I believe, that believe, say that I believe that our hearts are the kinds of hearts that we want to be what you want us to be. That's why we're here, Lord. We're not here because we want to be conformed to this world. We are naturally going through this world, and we are naturally going to be influenced this way or that, and it's, it's, it's natural, but Lord, we need a supernatural touch from you, a reminder from your word of who you made us to be so that we can be salt and light in this world and transform the world that's around us through the the power of your word and the work of the Holy Spirit. Please make us what we ought to be. Remind us what you've done for us. Forgive us for where we failed you. And man, have we failed you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to read two verses here, the first two verses of Second Peter. First, we're introduced to who the writer is, is Simon Peter. Um, just as a side note, we're going to study this whole book of Second Peter, and so I think I should point this out to you. There are actually some people, and they have some reasonably logical things to say about this, but they would actually say that Peter didn't write this. Take that for what you want, but I believe the Bible is God's word. It's infallible and inerrant, and if it said Simon Peter wrote it, I kind of have to go with what the Bible says. Now, Hebrews will debate on because it doesn't say. You can have, you, I'll give you that one. But Simon Peter says, Simon Peter wrote it. I'm going to have to go with that or else I have to doubt so many other things in Scripture. But anyway, that's a side note. Simon Peter, this is who wrote it. He says, Simon Peter, he describes himself, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He's saying there that he was one who was an apostle. He was called by Jesus. He was sent into the world. He's a special class. We would know that their apostles don't exist today. They were a special class of people that were only called at a certain time. There was a handful of people that God had called out as apostles, and Peter was one of those people. That's important. We'll come back to that. And he says he's the one that's writing this. He's a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And who is he writing to? To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus, uh, Savior Jesus Christ. So he's writing it to, and we could shorthand that to say he's writing it to Christians. We'll actually take that phrase apart a little bit here in just a few minutes, but he's writing to Christians here. And then he greets them and says in verse 2, which would be a fairly traditional greeting, this idea of, I want to I give you grace and peace. And he says there, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. And here's the phrase we're going to take some time in just a moment to look at, but he says, multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying here, in essence, I'm Peter, I was an apostle, I'm writing to you who were also saved by the same way that I was saved, I'm writing to you folks, and I want you to have a, the, the peace and the, the grace of God, and I want that to be multiplied to you, but I know that the only way you're going to get that is through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the essence of the phrasing that he says here. But I want to just spend a minute to tell you this out of these two, these two verses. That what got you here, if you're a Christian tonight, what got you to this point in your spiritual walk, it's going to be what gets you there, wherever there is, the next stage, the next phase, 
all the way to the end of your life. What got you here is what's going to get you there. I want to give you that, get that point across to you in these two verses. Peter starts off by telling us a little bit about our faith. He says there that we have obtained like precious faith. You see that phrase there? So you need, to you need to understand that the faith that you have, which again, remember I told you, it's what got you here, it's what's going to get you there, that faith, it was obtained. Now, he uses the word obtained there. When I use the word obtained in my normal speech, I might think of a word that says, I went and I got it. Like I went and I obtained this mask. I obtained this book. That's the way I tend to use that. I went and got it. You understand? That's not the word that he's using there. He's actually using a word that you might use if you were rolling some dice and you got snake eyes. I obtained some snake eyes. You understand what I'm saying? What I mean by that, it was nothing you did. It just happened to you. It has, instead of something that you grasped, it was something that was granted to you. So that's what he means by that word obtained. So your faith is something that was given to you there was nothing you could do to affect it we had some nice weather today at least i enjoyed it for a few minutes i got sat out there out on the back pet, back deck and i was ate, ate my lunch today on the back porch and it really is nice out there it's nice weather i don't know I, I i i shouldn't say i don't know i do know i know for a fact that's that's understatement i know for a fact that i had nothing in this world to do with the beautiful day today it just happened I obtained a beautiful day today. Do you understand that? That's what he is saying. It happened because I was there. God, God is the one who brought it about. Matthew Tilly had nothing to do with it. None of y'all had anything to do with it. It was obtained by us in the language that Peter's using there. The only way that I got the faith, he says that we have obtained this faith, the only way that I got this faith was by supernatural intervention. If God had not provided it to me, I would still be sitting around saying, what in the world? What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? God intervened. He intervened in history to make it possible for me and for you to have faith. So he says, first of all, this faith that you have, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. If you have faith, are you sitting here? As you can say, if you could testify, yes, I'm a Christian. I have faith. Jesus is my Savior. I put my faith in Jesus. If you could testify to that tonight, then you can say with Peter that your faith was a gift. It was obtained. He also goes on and says there, it's obtained that we've obtained like precious faith. Like precious faith. Now, those words, those two words, like precious, um, actually in, in the Greek are one word. It's just sort of this idea together that we would, in, that is translated as two words of like and precious, but it's simply saying it's the same value. That's essentially what it's saying. Like precious. Precious is the word value. It's something that has weight, substance, something that is worth something. And like is like. It's similar. It's the same. So it kind of makes sense in the English that way. Like precious. He is saying that the faith that you have, I was saved in 1979. That was the year that I called on the Lord Jesus Christ, 1979. That was when I accepted the Lord as my Savior. The faith that saved my soul in 1979, he says, was like precious faith with us. Who's he talking about? Well, he's already identified himself as an apostle. The same faith that saved me in 1979 was the same faith that saved Peter as an apostle of Jesus Christ. 
It's also the same faith that saved anybody in this room. Can I put it to you this way? That there is nothing unique about you. We all like to think, because mama, mama told us we were special, right? Everybody likes to think they're special and they're unique. But in terms of your faith, your faith is not unique to you. It's not unique to you. It's not a new thing. It's not just something that happens in modern America. It's not just something that happens in the Western world. This is not just something that happens. This is something that happens the world over and has happened from the beginning that it's the same faith, the same faith that saved you and brought you into the church of Jesus Christ is the same faith that has started churches around the world. I know that my dad has been involved with mission work over in Kenya and Uganda and that area. And those guys, I mean, we have a beautiful building here. Those guys will meet out in the middle of the field. That same faith that saves them, same faith that saves you. There's nothing better about us or better about them. And we're all of the same faith. It's not new. It's not novel. It says over in verse 21 of chapter 1, he says it's the prophecy that came not in old time by the will of man. It came in old time, but it didn't come by the will of man, but, but holy men of God spake as they were moved. The point is, it came from way back. It's from way back. It's old. Every Christian in history has been saved the same way. Through faith in Jesus Christ, there's nothing unique about mine or yours. But he also goes on to say there, it's a, we've obtained like precious faith with us, with Simon Peter, through the righteousness of God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason we have our faith is not because we were so smart to figure it all out. I think whether we, would never, we would never say it that way because we've been taught enough and we heard enough, we've been to Sunday school long enough, but in practice, we kind of start thinking, yeah, I sure am glad that I figured that out. I mean, we never say it that way, right? Because we, we know better. But we kind of have that attitude of, I'm glad I figured this thing out. No, 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 you didn't figure anything out. You're not smart enough to figure it out. In fact, even if you were the smartest person on the planet, that's not what this is. This is not faith that you have ginned up yourself. It's not faith in yourself. It's not faith in your work. It's actually, he says there, it's through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The best you can offer is going to condemn you. You could live a perfect life from here to eternity if that was even possible, which I don't believe it is, but let's say for just for theory's sake, it is possible for you to be perfect from here to eternity. The best you can do is going to condemn you. This is the way it says in Romans chapter 4. I wrote this down. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. If you're going to work for it, it says, well, you better be prepared to really work for it. You're going to have to earn it, and you're still going to be in debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. He's essentially saying, if you're trying to do it yourself, anything that you're trying to believe in yourself, you're trying to, complete, you're trying to fix it yourself, all that's going to do is condemn you. But instead, our faith, if we have this like precious faith, it is through the righteousness of God you needed a savior. You see, you needed somebody outside of yourself to save you. This is the important thing. You needed a savior. You needed an external force to fix you. I think sometimes we think of faith as something that's on the inside of me. And, and to some extent, it comes from my heart. I believe with my whole person. But my faith is not in my heart. My faith is in Jesus. Do you understand the distinction I'm making? 
I think sometimes we have faith in faith. You ever heard of that, that phrase, faith in faith? Like, my faith is strong. Well, yeah, but your faith is in a bank account. And it's only as strong as the U.S. government, and God bless you if you think that's going to last all that long. Yeah, what is your faith in? Not how strong is your faith. In fact, the Bible talks about the faith of a mustard, having the faith of the grain of a mustard seed. Have the t- smallest of faith, great. It matters not the strength of your faith, but the strength of what your faith is in. If I'm hanging on to a rope off the side of a cliff and all I got is one finger holding on to it, but if that finger's holding on and that rope is strong enough to hold me up, all's good. But if I got all hands and all arms and everything else on it and it's some little piece of thread that can't hold me up, what good is it? It's not how strong my faith is. It's the strength of what my faith is in. That's what it is. I need a Savior. He talks about he is our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And do, do not miss that this is not just simply, I like the way that he phrases this here. Pay attention to that. It's through the righteousness of God and our Savior. He's com, con, con, connecting together God and Jesus Christ. He's actually making it clear to us that Jesus is our Savior. Yes, we would agree with that. But don't miss that. We don't just need that external force of a Savior. We needed the Savior who was the God of the universe to save us. God, the perfection of God, is what I needed to save me. Not just any old Savior. That's what the world wants to offer us. The next presidential election will fix all of your problems. They've been saying that since presidential elections have been around. That's, that, that's, not going, that's not what I need is another president. I don't need, I don't need a, a, another set of congressmen or women to come in. That's not what I need. I don't need new laws to be passed. We talked about this on Saturday at the, when we were at the abortion clinic. We don't necessarily need Raleigh or Washington to change the abortion laws. You know what needs to happen? We need people's hearts to be changed. And when people's hearts are changed, if, if people are actually following Jesus and not what this world's wisdom has, you can have all the laws or none of the laws, and you know what will happen? People are going to raise their babies. That's what's going to happen. But the change needs to happen not in some human force around us. This is where we get it messed up. This is what I'm talking about. What I was talking about earlier is we look around and look for all these saviors and all these things. And Peter's saying, no, 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 you were saved because of your faith in God. Not in, not faith generally, not faith in some other thing, faith in God, Jesus being the God of the universe. So in summary, what he's saying there in verse one is that your faith like the faith of every Christian in history. Don't miss that. It's the faith of every Christian in history. I I know I said this before, but I want to reiterate to you, so many times we get mixed up that this moment is when God is doing something special. Now don't miss me. I know God loves us, and he's going to do special things for and to us. I know that. But what he's doing now, he has done time and time and time again this is why we even hearken back y'all said it before my people which are called by my name we humble ourselves we call on him what that's something he said thousands of years ago this is what he does this is how he operates there's nothing unusual this is the way god does this and our faith just like for every christian in history it was a gift from god exchanging the filth that was my righteousness exchanging it for the beautiful, pure righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's how you got here. 
Did you know that? By the way, if you didn't know that, you need to know that, and you need to know that you can be right here, and the right here is in, in justified in God's presence, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, loving the Lord, following the Lord, learning from Him. You can do that right here. That's where you can be. If you are there, you are there because of that faith. That's what got you here. And what got you here, this is what he goes on to the next verse, is what's going to get you to wherever's next. Whatever's next. Look what he says there. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You're only going to grow. You're only going to mature. You're only going to get to that next stage, whatever that looks like for you. And I believe it's, I want to be real clear, I don't believe that's the same for everybody. I don't. I think God has made us all unique in different ways. I think he's done that, and he's done that on a purpose. He's got something special for you that's different from you and something different. I think we, get a mis- we make a mistake when we say, well, this is the model of perfect Christianity. Well, certainly there are behaviors and attitudes that the Bible does teach us about that we need to, to model after, but we should not hold up any one man or woman and say that's the way everybody's got to be. No, no, that's not the case. I mean, good gracious, how would it be if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a teacher and I'm going to look at somebody who's a builder, I'm thinking about Matt back there, who build, does building and things like that, I'm going to look at him as my model of how to be a teacher. That, that might, there, may be some, there may be some attributes I can learn there, but I can't model that particular thing. That's a different thing. And, and I could do that with any other trade or, or pursuit of life. The same way with our Christianity, whatever that looks like, and I'm being very vague on purpose because I think it could be different for every person here, but that is only going to come as we get to know Jesus Christ even more. You'll see this in the passage. He starts by saying that grace and peace is multiplied to you, so we know that grace and peace come from Jesus, right? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, where he's saying, listen, the reason you have grace is because of Jesus, and because you have Jesus' grace, you have peace. That's, what you, that's where that comes from. But he says there, I want it to be multiplied unto you, I like my, the grace that God's given to me. Don't you like the grace God's given to you? I like the peace when he gives me peace. I love that. Wouldn't you like to have more of it? Now, do I deserve a bit more? Of course not. I've never said that, but I sure do like it. I like ice cream. And you know what's better than ice cream? More ice cream. That's what I like. Now, that may not be everybody's thing, and there's a limit to how much you should be eating. I understand all that. But the grace and the peace of God... Good gracious, bring it on, pour it on, give me more of it, give me more of it. More is better than what I had. It's even better. So I want that. That's what he says there. He says, I want you to have grace and peace multiplied. So I need more of his grace. I need more of his peace. And that's why we can actually go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, where Jesus is talking to Paul, and he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, I want to make sure that we're not missing what I'm trying to say here. Peter is saying multiplying the grace, multiplying the peace. But Jesus said, all you need is what I've got for you. So I'm trying to get you to see that God's grace is awesome, but even more of God's grace is awesome in earth, if I can even make up a word. It's good, and it's even gooder. 
It's great and it's even better to have more of it. That's what we're trying to see here. He is the source of grace. Jesus is the source of peace. So if I want more grace and I want more peace, what do I need more of? I need more Jesus. I, I, I need more. If he's the source, if he's where it comes from, I need more of him. So then I go back to verse 2 and I see he says, I want you to have grace and peace multiplied through. So how am I going to do that? He says, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Now, you probably have heard this before, but if, I, I remember hearing and seeing this in different places where it says, no Jesus, no peace. N-O Jesus, N-O peace. And then you can change the lettering of that or spelling of that a little bit. Same, phrase, same pronunci pronunciation. No Jesus, K-N-O-W. No peace, K-N-O-W. You've heard that before? So no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. How about this? More Jesus, more peace. More Jesus, more peace. So if I want more of Jesus, how am I going to get it? The Bible gives me a formula here that I'm going to multiply that peace, multiply that grace through the knowledge of God and of, our, of, our, of Jesus, our Lord. I can have more of Jesus by getting to know him more. Now, I want you to just think logically with me for just a minute. What is he even talking about? How do, you know, how do you get more of somebody by knowing them more? Well, if there was a subject that you were wanting to know more about, learn more about, um, uh, for example, um, one of the things that I have been trying to understand a little bit more in the last about six months or so is this idea of sanctification. It's a doctrine of the Bible, sanctification. You can pick any other subject you want. That's just something I'm thinking about right now. So if I want to know more about it, you know what I need to do? I need to learn about it, read a book about it, listen to a speech about it or a sermon about it, go to a class, read, it, read some more books, write a paper about it, do some, do some learning about it. But let me tell you one thing. It's hard to learn about something if you don't like it. I have never, ever really liked um, mathematics of any sort. Sorry, Lee, it's just not my subject. Yeah, you were, you were a math teacher, right? At one point, you're like, oh, it's science. I'm sorry, my apologies. I thought you were a math guy, my apologies. But he loves math, I'm so, so we at least have that not in common. But I hate math, hate mathematics. So much so that when I took a, te a standardized test when I was a little kid, um, it just had subtraction on there. I mean, just easy subtraction. I just skipped it because I didn't want to do it because I hated it. Now, they made me go back and take the whole test again. I just skipped that whole section. But the point is, I'd have a hard time learning about that because I don't love it. I kind of like the subject of sanctification. It's enjoyable for me. I enjoy learning it. So it's because of my love for it, it fuels me to go deeper and learn a little bit more about it. You know what else I want to do? Is when I learn about something, if, I'm, if I love it and I really want to learn about it, if I'm really interested in you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to let it change my thinking about that. I'm going to do something different, act differently. I'm actually going to go wherever it starts going. Can I give you another illustration of it? I want to uh, get to know my wife. I love my wife. I better love her because if I don't love her, I'm going to have a hard time getting to know her, right? But the more I get to know her, hopefully the more I'm going to love her. Let's hope that's how it works. It's supposed to work that way. But you know, whenever I get to know her and I love her, you know what I'm going to do? I want to hear from her. I want to actually hear her. I don't want to just sort of love her like some kind of work of art from a distance. I want to get to know her. I want to hear from her. And I'm going to say, 
man, she's going to the store. I want to go to the store with her. She's going down the road somewhere to visit somebody. I want to go down the road to visit somebody with her if I can. I want to be with her. Wherever she's going, I, I want to be there so I can get, do you understand what I mean by getting to know, to get the knowledge of somebody? So let's apply that to Jesus. I want more of his grace. I want more of his peace. Well, then I better get to know him. What am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to learn about him. I'm going to have to spend some time. Because again, I think we, unfortunately, I think we treat Jesus like we do a lot of our relationships. We just sort of take him for granted. He's just there. It's Jesus. He's never going to leave me. Well, no, he's not going to leave you, but you ain't going to get any benefit out of him if you're just sitting there and him not doing it. Learn about him. Pick up the letter he wrote to you. See what he's saying to you. And, and you know what? Love him while you're doing it. Because by the way, if you, can't, if you don't love Jesus, you're going to have a hard time learning about him. You better love him. And when you, when you love him and you're learning about him, listen to what he's saying and say, huh, that might be a good idea. I might want to do that. I might try to follow that. And you know what, what you're going to find when, when, you, when you start listening to Jesus? You, you go look at the Gospels when he starts talking to the, to the disciples. You know what the first thing he starts doing? He starts telling them to go here, go there, follow me here. You're going to find Jesus is going to go somewhere and you're going to have to go with him. I don't know where it's going to be. It's going to be different for each of us, but he's going to go somewhere. So the question is, are we willing to obey him, trust him, and follow him? So all that, I'm wrapping up and I'm done. If you're a Christian tonight, you're a Christian because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And that same faith is what's going to get you from where you are to wherever God has for you. Stop looking to the newspaper, social media, the internet, television, books, politicians, and Lord help us, some of these preachers who are preaching, I don't know what they're preaching, stop listening to those people. That is not the source of grace and peace. Do you know what the source of grace and peace is? It's Jesus Christ. If you want grace and peace, you're going to need to get to know him. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that's going to keep you. That's the message I want you to see tonight. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.